Welcome to the basement. Welcome to the basement. What up, though? Yo, growing up, I only ever had two constants in my life. My granddad's basement and my granddad's basement. There's something you can ride to, something you can vibe to, something you can chill to, something you can smoke to, something that'll make you think, something that'll make you feel good. I'm just a dude from a trailer park trying to figure out the universe. How deep you want to go? 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 What is good, everybody? Welcome to the basement. I uh, I literally, literally was just just outside enjoying a beautiful, beautiful Tucson sunset, and I'm uh, just enjoying the backyard. And I'm just underneath the owls. So I got the mama owl, and the, yes, I'm starting off with the owls. And two baby owls. And I'm just, just sitting there, just chilling underneath the tree, just taking in life. I was, uh, I was listening to a podcast, actually. Um, about, uh, it was about psychedelics, psychedelic research and studies, uh, current uh, treatments for veterans with post-traumatic stress disorder. It was, uh, here, I'll tell you what it was. It's a uh, Joe Rogan experience. Episode 1661 with Rick Doblin. Um, but and I'm not quite done with it, but I say go go check it out if you're interested into kind of what's going on with therapy, uh, mental, just mental health, mental health treatment when it comes to new therapies when treating uh, populations of veterans with post-traumatic stress and uh, and more and beyond and more, more practical civilian applications as well for a broad spectrum, but it's a new ish research, but that it ties into research that's, uh, that's decades old, but it's, it's a pretty good, a pretty good listen. And I was actually watching some of it underneath the tree, kicking it with the owls, but I'm, it's, it's always mama and the two babies. I don't know where Papa be at. You know, uh, I got questions. I'm starting to, I'm starting to have questions about, about Papa, because he, you know, I've seen him before. I've seen him with my own eyes. I saw Mama and a Papa, all right, at the same time, same place, same tree, same address, all right? Ain't nothing changed but the deadbeat gone, okay? So I don't really know what's cracking with that, but so what I just saw, though, I'm just sitting there chilling underneath the tree, beautiful sunset, beautiful blue Tucson sky, clear, stars aren't quite out yet, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the North Star's peeking through. Uh, beautiful blue, clear sky, mountain backdrop, and the clouds. There's just some just wavy clouds, just you know, real kind of spread apart. But there, just it's a windy kind of breezy Tucson day, and the clouds blowing in the in the wind. But they're pink, just beautiful blue on pink, pink on blue. It was just this beautiful contrasting sky with the baby pink on the baby blue, with the mountain drop background. Ooh. And then in the back background, okay, I'm I'm thinking it's Venus. It looked like Venus. I'm not sure, uh, but a planet. So whatever planet we can see uh, on June the June the ninth, two thousand and twenty-one, to the uh, to the northwest in Tucson. That's that's what I'm looking at. Beautiful. And then I get this owl taken off. swoops and the way she swooped it's like she ain't going far so i kind of booked it into the backyard 
look up on top of top of the neighbor's house. She's just up there, you know, kind of getting getting adjusted. It's sunset. Ooh. So then I, I'm like, oh, it's kind of this got a breezy day. It's feathers blowing in the wind. I'm like, might, might catch me a feather because I just copped another one. I got my third owl feather. I got some, you know, some not quite feather feathers, some, some baby down feathers that they're, they're still shedding. There's still plenty of more of those to come, I'm sure, in the next few weeks. Baby's about, I don't know, three weeks old. So we got three, four more weeks. Baby's, uh, baby's in the nest. So, uh, but cop that, that feather. So I ran out to the front of the house to see if I couldn't find me a feather. And then I see mama kind of, she's just chilling on top of, perched up on the neighbor's house. And then I see her kind of swoop over to a tree and she's just chilling there for a minute. And then see her swoop up to back to my roof, chilling on a solar panel. This is all happening within less than 10 minutes, like seven, maybe eight minutes and just about 20 minutes ago. So she said, and then I see her step down. I got like so from the solar panel, then down onto the roof. And then I see them big wing and just, just swoop down, either onto the ground or onto like from the second story to the first story of my house. So I don't know. I lost her at that point. And then Mrs. Rain came out the garage. I told her about all the great festivities that I was seeing. She said, Great, I'm going to Target. I said, Cool, lady. Love you. Goodbye. And then I see the owl go back up into the nest. So mom was back up in the nest and it was just, and he, uh, it was, I knew it, it was just watching, I was watching an owl hunt and it was just beautiful to see with the beautiful sky set up, sunset, owls hunt at sunset. And so she got, uh, she got her dues. But then I went back into the backyard and she took off because I was like a disturbance to the meal. Like I felt bad, actually. So she dipped off to the other side next door neighbor's roof with the kill. So by now, I'm sure she back up in the nest and done fed the babies. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that was cool. It, it was it was wild to see. And then as I was sitting under the tree, in fact, before this had all started, one of the babies had uh, dropped a shit just right near right near next to me. I had to go up and check him to ask to, to say, ask him what's up. You know, he didn't have nothing to say after that. But uh, then the festivities began, you know, and now we go about our, our, our nights. But I was talking to my cousin, Jamie. We uh, we locked schedules. It took us about two weeks, actually, to to get the schedules coordinated to come and uh, just have a little conversation. Uh, he was listening to a few episodes back and was uh he was, just, you know, gave me a shout. He's like, yeah, I want to, you know, you, you touched on this, this certain topic. You know, I think I relate to that. And let, let's get down. I was like, all right, well, yeah, let's lock it in. So uh, today we, we chatted and uh, it was, you know, we just talked. We just we was just kind of just chatting. You know, he's, you know, he's a little elder uh, in the family, a little bit older in life. And, you know, if y'all been listening for for some time or if it's your first time, you know, I, I like to you know, I'll take guidance. You know, just I think that's a real important, you know, that's in fact, okay, so two things. That's an important thing. I think a part of leadership, like I I do feel I'm some type of, 
you know, leader, a natural leader, just by by personality, by by the things I'm willing to go through, willing to do, situations I've been in, just and been placed in, you know, just leadership and military leadership type stuff as well, and having success in in, in that sense of the word. But uh, but one thing I should do actually, and I know I should do this, and it's just you know keep repeating it to myself, and finally one day I'll kick myself into gear to consistently read. That's one thing uh, uh, successful uh, people do. It's a resounding trend with you know multimillionaires, billionaires. They, you know, it's meditation and like read are are the two I think resounding biggest resounding parallels between uh, all people who've established some type of of wealth. And you know, and with with wealth, you get to change kind of your environment and those who are around you and do more more positive things and, and put forth even more as we look forward to our legacy. And and I'm not necessarily trying to accumulate any. Uh, you know, massive amounts of, of billionaire type wealth by any means, but there, there's something there and there's something to be learned from somebody who has more experience than you in, in certain contexts of life. And, and Jamie, you know, we, we, we share a bloodline, you know, we're related. We've broke lots of bread together since, we, you know, we were young men, very young men. And he's, uh, I don't know how old Jamie is. He's a few years older than me. I mean, maybe 10 or less. Like, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. He's, he's, you know, he's into, into his 40s, I guess I can back engineer it from the podcast and, and say, yeah, he's in his late, late 40s or so like that. So maybe 10, 12 years older than me or something like that. But we just got to got to chopping it up and I'm looking forward to uh, to kicking it with him uh, some more and getting down, chopping up to, to share ideas uh, as we go and grow as we're all just, you know, maturing through life and gaining new perspective and bouncing ideas off and, and working through, you know, some sense of the contention that's out there. And I think, you know, Jamie's got a good perspective and I think we're going to continue to, to be able to do this a little more often and share that perspective just uh, you know, as time goes on, as we you know continue to grow our network and your network is your net worth. And I like to bring to you, you know, as much as I can, people of substance and value. And like I mentioned a while back, I'm going to try to get more you know, more into uh, bringing bringing people and also projects. And Jamie is an artist. We've worked on on a track. I'm actually gonna gonna tie that in as well. When I talk about bringing, uh, you know, I got actually I got something tight in the works, y'all. But I'm not no, no spoiler alert. I've I've shared little little niblets of beats. If you've been listening up to this point, and I'm, I'm gonna start. I'm starting putting some stuff together. I'd say it's twenty percent done. Uh, but and I don't know I've, I've dropped some stuff before talking about that, but it's, I didn't say it was coming anytime soon. I, and there's no percentage per week that's happening. It's when it gets done, the shit's going to get done. But anyways, Jamie also, I bet he, uh, he going to throw me some beats, uh, as time goes on too, as I start sharing other people's stuff. But anyways, uh, he's a cool cat, man. And it's my cousin and we, we, we got to just chopping it up. Ultimately we got to talk about parenting and, you know, I think, you know, for me going just in a certain sense, lazy is not the right word, but I do like to be as efficient as possible so I can enjoy time. I don't want that to be mistaken as laziness. Anything put in front of me, I have the ability to 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 take care of it in in a a respectable and acceptable manner, you know, and not, not without mistakes either. Um, so I don't want that to be confused with laziness, but t- because time 
and where my time goes is my most important, the, the most important, time is the most important commodity to me, to me. All right. So when I, when I think, when I keep that in mind, what is your why time to put time forth where I want my time to go because it's finite. Right. And the, where I want my time to go the most of is with my sons and my wife. All right. Everything else is a, an extremely, extremely distant, distant second, like hard line too. It's very, you know, it's, it's difficult when we talk about routines and Jamie and I got into that uh, a little bit in, in the podcast. So, and, and not without technical difficulties, I just, uh, I'll share with you the conversation is really talking about uh, discipline and instilling discipline. And when I really think about uh, on a business sense, on a, on a work sense, efficient, and that's not new. Like that's from when, I mean, you got, I got ho-hum jobs through high school. always had a job, job since 15, uh, from Huckin' Bricks, KFC, Fuddruckers, uh, gas station, YMCA, uh, youth sport coaching, refereeing, uh, all kinds of stuff. And then United States Air Force aircraft mechanic. What the fuck is this? I don't want to fix a fucking plane. So how can I do this as efficiently as possible? Because this is literally the worst. I couldn't think of doing anything anything worse with my life like especially at that time than becoming a mechanic on a fucking airplane that is it was never anything that i wanted or intended to do it was all by mistake every single bit of it by mistake scored high in electrical on the asvab the armed services vocational aptitude battery test. All right, it's just a test you take to get into the military. It's your qualifying exam. If you score a 35, you can't get in the Air Force. All right, you score a 45, you can get in the Air Force. 44 and, be- 44 and below, or excuse me, 44 to 35 is a minimum score. 44 to 35, uh, you can join the other services. If you can't score a 35, you're, I'm sorry, you're not in, in, you don't have the intellect to serve in the armed services. And it's a real basic test. So 35 is low. That like gets scored up to 100. So that's you can get an F and still serve. And for my great uncle Sam in this United States military. All right, you can suit up. You can get an F on a test. All right. So there are there are ways about this life. But anyways, what I was saying was I became a mechanic because I scored high in electrical, just a, a, a portion of the ASVAB, scored higher in other portions. And in mechanics, I scored the lowest, got a 43. By Air Force qualification standards, I shouldn't I should have been disqualified from being a mechanic, right? No overall score of 73, which ain't even great. I got a C on the test. Everybody I was uh, there with got got high B's. They got eight. I had the lowest person in my uh, like class uh, for when I joined the Air Force had uh, besides me was an 88. And I'm talking about tech school, not necessarily basic training. There's some dumb motherfuckers basic training. You work through that for a few weeks and then you get into your job training. And that's when you figure out, you know, who's competent and who's not. Uh, and, and I had a 73. And everybody, next low score is 80, 88. Highest score was like 98. And there was seven of us, six of us, six, seven, eight of us, something like that uh, back in the early 2000s. So I, not, not the, I didn't score the highest on the, on the test, uh, but I ended up electrics. You scored high in electronics. Hey, this job is electrical environmental systems. All right, what do you do? You fix circuit boards. All right, you know, it sounds cool. I fix circuit boards. That's, that's what happened. 
that was the conversation that I had at the recruiter's office. Uh, mistake. Mistake. Uh, so, yeah, I became an aircraft mechanic and I hated it so bad that I became the most efficient aircraft mechanic you ever served with. Nobody I served with felt I was lazy, incompetent, couldn't do anything. He is quick and fast and good. And he takes his time on the paperwork and makes sure that's right. All right. Because the paperwork actually was the most important thing. Aircraft forms. It has to be 100%, absolutely 100% <laughs> correctly documented. Because if there is a mishap, we need to know exactly what happened. It is what, who touched this aircraft? Where did you put your name? It's very, very high level stuff. So I made sure that was right. Hardcore. And that actually took a lot of time. Even when we went from hard paper forms to digital forms, I transitioned two, two different times. I transitioned. I was a bad motherfucker in the military. Units from uh, hard paper and digital. So double, double the work. So I was part of the transition, transitionary group to go digital and really working behind the scenes with how things are supposed to be coded. Uh, when you take it off of the paper and put it solely on the computer, it's actually, it's easier in the long run, but the setup, you have to add a couple more things for complete clarity. So I just uh, transitioned two different squadrons, uh, well, my specific unit within those squadrons, um, of, you know, real, real heavy handed in, in getting that done. So that fixing airplanes part was fucking horrible. So I did that. I got, I was like, okay, how do I do this fucking, okay, put the puzzle together, get it done, put, lock it down. Everything's uptight. Okay. We're, we're done at this. I don't, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done with that. That's done. It's good. It's cleaned up. Let's go get the paperwork right. And I'm um, trying to get out of there on time. So that's been my model since I was 19 years old. I just hated what the fuck I, I did. So I need to get as, as proficient at it as possible. And then at, and once I'm proficient, I can become efficient. And I become efficient by leaning out anything that's unnecessary. And if it is unnecessary, it is gone without the blink of an eye. And then you have time for other things. All right, so here's a conversation with... Uh, my big cuz, Jamie Edwards, JSE, The Navigator. And he wrote the hook. These niggas love me in the streets, but I don't gangbang. Oh. These niggas fuck with my beats because my nuts hang. Burn holes in every pair of my jeans. I got a closet full of dirty hoodies smelling Ooh. like weed. And I'm still looking for the way Sometimes I just be drinking and I'm smoking all day So please don't mind if I chill I'm looking up to the heavens while I'm strolling to hell What up? Half the shit I do, I know my wife and she hate it I got another tattoo, I know my wife and she hate it When I drink that loon juice, I know my wife and she hate it So I beat the pussy up every day, so amazing Reality's a bitch and I think I want to buy it Cause niggas is something, cause niggas is something Reality's a bitch and I think I want to buy it Man, hey, did you hear about the uh, the six year old who got shot on the freeway in Cali the other day? No, a couple weeks ago. No. Oh man, this is this is disgusting. So, so I guess the, the lady's driving down the freeway, like merging onto the freeway off the of exit, and cut somebody off. They ended up pulled off on the side of the road. I don't, I don't know. I, who was necessarily in front. Somebody got cut off and the mom like flicked off the dude. I believe she cut off. So I guess she was in front. 
Uh, they get out on the side of the freeway. Altercation ensues, and dude had a—I think it was a rifle, an AR-15. It could have been a pistol. I might have the story conflated, but ended up popping one off. It went through the the rearview glass of the car, and then hit the six-year-old boy uh, right in the chest, uh, in the back, mm. um, and he died right there on the freeway in his mom's arms. But I just, I guess, it's really been bugging me like for the last few days because I've been for like, I mean, I'm. For as long as I can remember, like we really have a mental health issue in this country, and but like so many people who are pro Second Amendment, myself included, are real quick to dismiss the uh, like that guns are kind of an issue. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. If you look over at like uh, uh, the uh, in England, they don't have guns, but they lead the world in like knights. And if you look up like violent crime rates. Uh, U.S. is like barely in the top 20 of all countries in the world for violent crime rates. You know, there's a lot of, I mean, we're a violent species, but when I see that stuff and if you remove the gun from the situation, that little boy is not dead. I mean, that dude, he was going to kill somebody either that day or, or the next day. You know, it was just a moment of time before. I mean, that dude, he was unstable. We do have a mental health problem. But I'm trying to wrap my head around, like, my new thought, brand new, like, as of the last couple of days when the story is developing, like, my thought on gun control. And, I, I mean, I know you're involved in the politics thing, and, you know, mm. I, so I don't know what your specific views are. And, I mean, we're not going to solve the gun debate right here between us. But it led me more also into just, like, discipline. Like, that dude was, I mean, just mental health issues, but you can train some of that out of people and by that i mean just train your your mental health your mental well-being to be more disciplined like why why are both of you stopped and getting out of your car to have this altercation a man and a woman like that that was going to go bad from the start it just turned out to be like as most tragic as it could be so i know you're not like real hip to the story but just got me just i don't know i'm all over the place now when i think about you know the firearms and the firearm control but also like just discipline just having the discipline like i've been in altercations and i've been able to mend just you know the tensions and walk everybody walks away or, mm -hmm. or i've been in situations where you, you may get into a fight and it's always different and it's just we're in a, a day and time where everybody's tensions are, are so inflated whether you know it's politically or racially or you know you're just a psychopath on the side of a road with a rifle and you end up accidentally killing a kid but you meant to harm somebody that day so i don't know i'm a little conflicted on that yeah i mean that's 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 pretty pretty interesting i know up here in the twin cities there have been a couple casualties of uh you know young people who who uh who were shot as um you know folks were were firing off rounds you know, going after someone else, and now you have you know ten year olds that that lose their lives, um, you know, because of uh, because of just the the way in which this thing is playing out these days. And I, you know, I'm I'm much more on a, um, you know, it's funny. I was, <laughs> I think I'm. I don't know if I'm on the conservative side or the liberal side of the 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 gun debate. I mean, I guess liberal. Is, is how it'd be characterized, but I'm, you know, I think, you know, just talking about altercation, if you don't have a gun, then no one goes there. If there's no knife in the mix, no one goes there. You use them fist of cuffs or maybe someone grabs a brick. If things get to that point, right, where, 
where you lose control. And I think, you know, you were talking discipline, you know, self-control is really kind of what we're talking about. And I, I think that what happens um, when you when you add weapons into the mix is people's discipline, you know, the 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 level of aggression, the potential level of aggression increases because you know, I want to say folks get bigger balls or whatever, but you know, it's like anything else. If you if you if you in a scrap and it's just you, you know, you have a certain level of of aggression. If you got your crew, your level of aggression can increase real quickly. You know, you add a weapon, a stick, any other kind of uh, item, and it changes. Um, you know, so I, I mean, that's that's kind of my view of it. I don't know that's if that's where you're going, but uh, that's what came to mind as uh, as I was thinking about that issue. I had a I had a pretty interesting debate with with my brother, who's a pro second um, Second Amendment guy himself down in Houston. Uh, a brother and you know he views you know uh, the second amendment you know from a perspective you know from an african-american perspective that uh, you know it's important for black folks to be armed too right and uh, the second amendment issue issue uh, you know goes way back to the point of in time where you know we were in a malicious uh, type state and um, you know it was a very very different time but um, you know, I'm, I'm a little on, on the side of, uh, that, that is an important issue, but you know, I haven't heard how the second amendment is, is, is stopping black folks from, from, uh, from progressing and, and, and moving forward from an economics standpoint. So we had, we had a little difference of opinion, heated conversation at breakfast, um, but uh, again, folks are, are all over the board on, on that issue. Yeah, and I, I guess I don't really want to get into Second Amendment type stuff. Uh, there's, there's some bigger, better voices on that, but as far as like, just that, that it was just on my mind. That bothered me, and I feel like if that, I don't know the guy's name, I don't, don't, don't care to know his name, don't need to know his name, yeah. uh, but if he just had some just discipline, just discipline itself. I mean, having a firearm, I mean, I heard an argument the other day that just having a firearm alone is the greatest martial art. It cannot be defeated. You know, the, the, you know these two, two guys were talking about just martial arts, and mm-hmm. judo, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu, which one's supreme, and, you know, kind of came down to, they turned the conversation a little bit, you know, well, what about firearms? Like, well, that's the ultimate martial art, meaning, and to me, I took that as, I agree, but also, all these, we talk about these martial arts and uh, instilling discipline. Uh, I mean, in anybody who partakes, but I, you know, my, my focus, my perspective is on young men, you know, while I re-examine myself, my life, and into my son, and is the, the discipline of it. And you need, like, a real, real intense discipline to even be a firearm owner. And I, I don't, you know, I don't have all the answers, but when I just think about that stuff, there's a real lack of discipline in there and just got me thinking of my life and my current levels of just where I'm at in life and the discipline I have. And it's, it's totally different from when I was a kid, like just going through life really confused, just really confused. And like, I didn't, uh, I was, I was, I was probably the stinky kid for a few years though. Like cleanliness wasn't like top of mind and like yard work wasn't, something that I had to do, uh, you know, and 
Like just so many going to sleep, like having a bedtime or getting getting rest. Like I, I lean on the lazy side. So as I kind of as I reparent myself, at, while because I'm raising two young boys, like I'm I'm reinstilling some new new disciplinary tactics, even like down to to food choices. Like swap. I used to you know smoke a little weed before bed and just eat a bunch of candy and. Well, that it, it, I swapped that out for fruit, you know, months ago, just a couple months ago. Like just trying to, you know, just keep the discipline going and trying to wake up early and stick to all these these positive habits because those weren't the things that I was accustomed to growing up. I mean, where did I mean you're a relatively successful based on coming from, you know, South Minneapolis, uh, raised in you know a not not necessarily stable environment. So when you think about just your life where you came from and your discipline as somebody, you know, elder than me in the family, like, what, you know, what keeps you going? What, what is your, what's your why, I guess. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, growing up around the way, as they would say, um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, discipline come it, that is such a broad term. You know, there is both the, the social norms that um, that we choose to conform with, and and you know having a disciplined mind to um, to adapt to those. There is the the things that you were talking about in terms of of having the motivation to um, you know do your chores and do other things and um, adhere to you know, the disciplinarians in, in, in your space, you know, and I grew up at a time where, um, you know, you didn't talk back to your elders. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you did, it, it was going to be problematic, you know? And, um, I grew up at a time where, you know, extended families, um, and extended community, you know, the, the, the idea of a, it takes a village to, to raise a child, you know, that was, I saw that in, in real time and, and it being applied. Like I remember I had this situation where me and a friend of mine, uh, we were, uh, you know, puff, puff pass in a neighborhood. And, um, and I remember the news, you know, beat me home, you know, and there was a real serious conversation that I had um, with my grandmother later later that day and you know of course because I had some some values and respect that had been instilled in me through through that life experience you know I had to listen I didn't I didn't fire off at, at my grandmother when you know she was trying to correct me so we live in a, a slightly different time where you know um you know that folks are not necessarily um given boundaries and young people that are growing up you know the, the the boundaries are a little bit more loose and i think that creates problems when when it comes to um having the self-discipline to do the right thing and you know some really challenging situations do you encourage the dialogue as a parent well you know at this point in time 
you know, my, my daughter, my one daughter is a, is a college student. <laughs> so, you know, any conflict we have, you know, is, is conversation based. Uh, you know, I grew up at a time where they say, spare the rod, spoil the child. And, um, and I'm, I'm not a proponent of a overemphasis on, on spanking or that type of, you know, uh, more physical, uh, aggressive types of discipline. But sometimes when your kids get out of hand, um, you know, you, you, you got to redirect. Um, you, you can't win every battle, but you have to have a plan. You can't just have a, you know, a heathen <laughs> running around. And for my daughter, when she was coming up, um, you know, that was, you know, the principles that I had grown up with. Um, I, 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 I was not going to, to be that parent whose, whose child is in the store doing that crazy stuff, you know, you know, black folks don't roll out like that. Um, yeah. so I, you know, that was not my approach, but I did learn some things from, you know, my upbringing to, to the point in which I was, I was parenting. And, and one of the things that I learned is that there are different types of, of discipline or different ways of, um, encouraging the right behavior and, and conversation was, was really important. And my, my daughter wasn't, um, she was very willful, was very willful today, very strong, strong willed, strong minded. And I encouraged that, but I also in, encouraged her to, to recognize that boundaries exist and, and that mutual respect is, is really important. And, and, uh, I think she's doing well, um, from, from, you know, those values that I, that I am employed. So, okay. So help me out a little bit. You got, when I'm talking, I got big G will be four in like a, a week. Uh, yeah, in a week. And then baby G's, he's newly two. So I got, pretty much two toddlers are very young and a four year old and a toddler. Um, so that, that mutual respect, that back and forth, I mean, it, it's a struggle. They're trying to establish their dominance in the household as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not really, we're not spanking households at the forefront. I mean, we're going to talk, we're going to, you know, maybe raise our voices a little bit. They don't ever get like yelled at or anything, but like, Voices will get raised. Hey, stop that. You got to pick up, stop, knock the shit off. But when you do something that, you know, like we talked about and the resolve is, you know, you did that even though we talked here, prime example. Uh, we talked about you not throwing folded laundry on the ground, but you <laughs> took folded laundry and threw it on the ground. And we already discussed and we're on the same page that you don't do that. You're too little to rectify that situation. You throw your toys on the ground. They break, they either get thrown away or they don't break, and you just put them back away. You can understand and grasp your head around that. But you're too little to, to fold laundry or put that back. So to me, and this is just an anecdotal uh, example, you know, that's a, a little swat on the butt. Just, you know, not, nothing wild and not getting beaten. Like I was, I think I was spanked. And I don't know if it did like real damage. I wasn't beaten, but I was spanked. But I could recognize when I was unnecessarily like the thought of why am I getting spanking for that? I was just playing outside. I didn't hear you. Like I was, I was like literally, just really literally right there. You could you could see where I was at. I don't know necessarily know why I'm getting spanked for this. And then other times, 
I did understand, yeah, I was being a little fuck-faced, like it's time to, to catch a little bit of that rod. So when it comes like to the, the mutual respect, what kind of things did you do just, you know, when your daughter was younger? Let's go back 15 years. Just help out those raising kids in it right now. Yeah, I mean, I think the the principle and, and you know, your your child is going to be where where they are, they are at, you know, between you know, zero and, and six, uh, things are going to be complicated, you know, cause you know, they're, they're going to be led driven by ego. And, um, <laughs> interesting toddlers are very interesting to me because they spend their entire day trying to figure out how to get around the system of control <laughs> that your parenting is, yeah. right? which is all geared yeah. toward protecting them and making sure that they have the things that they need. But, you know, they can be, pretty diabolical in their in their effort to um you know create that freedom or find the weak points and i ha i think i i think it's important you know parenting is is uh um there are a lot of different philosophies and ideas out there but um you know the the main thing about it is it's is is a teaching job really at the end of the day and I think you, impatience is incredibly important, and there's got to be a goal in mind in your in your parenting approach. In, in in my opinion, I I think for me, I just had one kid, so you know it's it that may be easier to employ than if you have two or three or four. You know, and I I, I know we all have our 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 the points that we're pushed to that you know, create, you know, anger or, or response that's not our normal response and, and children and others can do that to you and push you, push you to that, that space you don't want to be. But I, I think just to kind of answer your question, when, when she was young, when she was young, it was important to me to use all the possible disciplinary tools that I could think of, not just, um, spanking, Right. Um, I grew up and I agree with you. I feel like there were times where, you know, a conversation could have been had, you know, a teachable moment, but that's not really how it played out. It was just like, you get to, you get to speak the, the smackdown <laughs> and you go on, um, without a lesson, you know? And I think that's, that's why I, I use the terminology teaching in, in, in terms of how I, how I characterize my parenting and I still see that too today because your your relationships evolve you know the the five-year-old girl that I was dealing with you know they were there were simple principles um, and boundaries and you know as long as you know we're on the same page and you know you're not acting out um, and putting yourself in harm's way or 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 embarrassing or, or doing things that you know um, that uh, you shouldn't be doing, then, you know, we can continue to, to enjoy ourselves and, you know, have a good time, um, you know, father and daughter, because, you know, it's different. I, di I didn't really, I was in my parenting situation up until when my daughter was three, um, you know, me and her mother were sharing that responsibility, but, you know, we went our separate ways at that time. And, and so I had to figure it out as that single parent dad. And uh, I, th I think it was a good approach. Um, but, it can be more challenging based on the temperament of your of your child as well. So, mm. 
Yeah, I think, yeah, that's a big one. I think you hit on something really like just the, the patience aspect of it. I mean, there's a lot of life that's patience, but like parenting is definitely patience. And I, I guess I never really caught that perspective, but I, I agree wholeheartedly of uh, their ego driven until a certain age. And that's probably arguable or, or not. Maybe there's science behind it. Uh, you can tell me. Yeah, but, that's, like, that's- years yeah, yeah, not to interrupt. I mean, that's Freud. <laughs> that was Freud's contribution okay. to psychoanalysis, and that's the the ego and the superego. And and uh, again, not to interrupt, but yeah, in many respects, the young ones be you know their their behaviors are based on on that that ego centered personality. Yeah, and you don't. I mean, for me, this is my words, they don't think you understand if you did a good job as a parent for about 25 years. So there's some extreme, <laughs> extreme patience involved with that. And, and then I sit back and I think about just myself and where I'm at now. And after some psychedelic experiences, like the, the, the shift of the ego, uh, some people say they melted or dissolved the ego. I don't know. I think your ego is synonymous with your conscience. I mean, it's part mm-hmm. of you. It's always there. It's never going to go anywhere, but, where does it show itself at? I think is is a little bit better. And having some psychedelic experiences, I have my ego very. I'm holding them close. I got I got demons in one hand. I got the ego in the other. And we're all just hugging and, mm-hmm. and you know just waiting for somebody to 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 release themselves. And you know not then dealing with somebody with ego in the very forefront of their actions is it's just very interesting. But yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly that it's just patience and that comes back to discipline of self discipline to to not just reach out and smack somebody or not shake that baby like there's some there's some sickos out there with just with, with no discipline and don't have enough sense of self to understand their own actions or reactions to whatever is happening with, with them and it, it leads to some devastation and changes families from time to time but yeah patience, patience is key with all that and then teaching like i was an education major in college then graduate, not yet. I think teaching is kind of my vocation. So when it comes to, to parenting and going through just the steps of parenting, it's making me sit back and reanalyze and reparent myself and almost reprogram a good chunk of myself for my ego, or just or even ethos, like, you know, the things that I find value and, and moral. And, and I got a great partner as well. I don't know if it was this morning or I think it was last night. Uh, the day is all blend when you've got two young ones and work seven days a week. You know what I'm saying? Oh, but yeah. he had uh, he ended up with a bag on his head. How I don't know. We do pretty good with, with putting the bags up, but he had a plastic bag on his head and it wasn't tight. He was just running around. I'm a bag head. But I was like, bro, <laughs> get that bag off your head. Like I freaked out. It was like, it was like I was doing dishes or whatever. And he just runs up with a bag on his head. So it caught me off guard. Like I like, whoa. And I just kind of, I don't want to say yelling at him, but like, Hey dude, you get that off your head. Like stop, get it, stop, stop. And then Megan was like, hold on, dude. Chill. Tell him why. Te- this, this is the, yeah, the teachable epitome moment. of one of your, one of your teachable moments. You idiot. Like teaching. I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah, you're right. Thanks, babe. Like, appreciate it. So, yeah, teaching. <laughs> I mean, it, it's all in teaching. I, I go back and, it's, like I said, I'm actively reparenting myself. You know, if you're just growing up alone but not alone, uh, like, it's 
it's just it, it's interesting being a parent coming from where I came from, and I suppose that's probably true to some extent for pretty much everybody. And I, I try to just act in a way almost opposite of the things that were laid down in front of me. You know, and I really sit back and I think about it. You know, where, when I came into this existence, you know, I, I was becoming an adult with my parents. Like we were growing and evolving, and our brains were developing at the same time. I got the benefit to have a fully developed brain before I had kids, fully developed brain for over five years by the time I, I, I had kids. So to sit back and, and think about some of the things I, I went through, it actually gave me some type of sense of understanding. Uh, I'm at the, like right now, my dad at, at 36, I was graduating high school. So mm-hmm. it's a real stark difference of, of the way your life goes and, and it's formed for sure. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Um, you know, and I, I think and as it related to my parental approach, I had an approach, you know, and I, I, I think that had to do with the fact that, you know, my daughter didn't come around until I was um, in my late 20s. So, you know, that that frontal lobe had been fully developed and and I was intentional um, in many of the things that I was hoping to get out of my parenting experience and for my daughter. I, I, you know, I had goals and plans in mind for her future. And when you're coming out of high school or, you know, the different ways in which young people come in into this world, it's, it's not always the case. You're not always ready. Um, but patience is essential and, the other thing that is essential is to recognize that you're not going to win every battle. And maybe that was the situation uh, that you mentioned with the bag. <laughs> right? It was a teachable moment. Um, but, you know, that's not necessarily, you know, a battle that that you need to win. And, and there are times where your children will push you um, and you you do need to uh, to. Uh, um, all right, y'all. We're back. We had a minor technical difficulty, but uh, we were tracking. We were just talking about some parenting. And, um, Jamie, I don't know if you remember specifically where you're at, but you hit on um, uh, being intentional. And like, I sit back and I think with some of the things I mentioned earlier, just as far as intentional parenting, like I, this actually started when Megan was pregnant the first time. I would come home from work on my lunch break do the dishes and clean the kitchen. So when she got home from work, she didn't have to worry about that. You know, and not that women are supposed to do the dishes or anything like that. We've always legitimately had like a 50, 50 split, but not of specific things. So just sometimes she do the dishes. Sometimes I do the dishes. So to just, she had, I don't want to say it was a difficult pregnancy, but she was sick and had some real, real bad, like sciatic pain in the back. And then that the baby came early because she had the flu. So she was, I mean, not bedridden, not hospitalized, you know, so overall real grateful for the pregnancy, but there were some challenges to overcome. So one thing I wanted to do was, you know, make sure she didn't have anything to worry about as far as a clean house. So like, yeah, that continues to today. Like I clean, I scrub, I got a five bedroom, three bathroom house, you know? So I, I, I clean this, this whole thing. Uh, I'd like to say once a week, but really every 10, 12 days or so, but yeah, clean all the toilets, uh, try every week or every other week, do the yard work to be clean. And that's like just me intentionally. And my boss is on board with this too. They give me time. Like I said, I work from home. 
half the week, four days a week, I work from home. So like I do real intentional things around the house to set the example for my kids. Like, Hey, you can clean too. You're going to inherit all this yard work. You're going to inherit these dishes, you know, and just even, uh, the, the, the diet, you know, just eating, eating healthy, making sure, Hey, you, you know, I'll give my boys, Hey, if you want your dessert, you got to eat your vegetables. Uh, but dessert will be like some local honey. So, you know, just playing little mm. tricks on them or, or mm-hmm. some fruit or something like that, you know, or, you know, I'm, you know, getting to bed on time, having a good bedtime. It's all just to overcome laziness because I don't want to contribute lazy members of society when, when my, when I, when my job is all said and done, uh, and it's never really said and done, but when they're at a point, I suppose a better way to phrase it when they're, when they, when they flee the nest, uh, and leave me as an empty nester, I want them to contribute and be just positive members of society. And I think when we talk about having, you know, top two things like patience, but also doing things intentionally different from the way things were put onto us, you know, I'll say I'll add two more in. So patience, intense, but also love and kindness. I think all that, you know, outputs a positive impact, you know, to, to have somebody just a good step ahead to get them into a successful point in life. And success can be defined in, in many ways. And that's a podcast in and of itself. Uh, but coming from where I came from and knowing where you come from, cause it's just a generation above where I come from. Uh, you know, I think that's good, positive things to do. And I mean, you, your daughter goes to Stanford. <laughs> yes. Yes. She, she, not, she not only applied to Stanford, she went into Stanford and She's what? Is she a sophomore or a junior? No, she's she's a junior. She's she's got a year left, and she's almost done. So I just I think about all that and, and output it based on where we came from, and that's positive. That's positive strides. That's generational type changes. It's leveling up and not having the ego to to have spite for your children. I want you to be more successful and do better than me. So seeing you know previous generations seeing, you know, what potential, uh, difficult to phrase, but potential way our lives could have gone, what, you know, how we can set the next generation off on a, on a different foot. Yeah. You, you mentioned a couple things in the space of discipline. You mentioned martial arts and I think in some ways you were getting to this, although you didn't, you didn't articulate it exactly this way but routine you know the way in which you kind of establish for you know your youngsters you know this is this is how we're going to do this and and you're again being intentional and purposeful in uh, in your approach man and i i think it you know it is a teaching um experience because these young people come in with you know, not, not really, not really much. They come in with clean slates. So what you put in is what you get out. And, and, uh, you know, it's a job that has to be taken very seriously. And, um, but also, you know, the cool thing is just seeing, see, I mean, in many ways is, is kind of funny too, but you see these other characteristics of yourself as, you know, you, you put in that effort and that time you know, different personality traits that, that emerge. And, you know, I created a hip hop head cause you know, for me, that was really, <laughs> really important. I couldn't have a kid who was spending a lot of time in, 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 you know, rural Minnesota, Brainerd, Minnesota that, that didn't know what was up, you know, did not, a yep. uh, didn't know some things about the, you know, the funkier ways of life. And, um, 
And uh, so that was that's been cool to to watch, you know, a young adult emerge um, from those values. And again, mutual respect, you know, a value system that makes sense and intentionality. Yeah, I mean, routine. Ru- yeah, absolutely. Routine is key. Actually, I talk about. Uh, yeah, I didn't articulate that, but like I do talk about the specific our routine. It's set. It's a certain way. It's not to be messed with. Do not play with my child's routine. My wife and I, we are on the same frequency of that. Like it, just with so much instability in child, our, our childhood. Speaking for her as well. Uh, the only, but the number one thing we want to do is have stability, and we achieve that through routine. And I'm sure I got that from the military. But it's just absolute. This is dinner time. This is uh, I got. I don't. I, I, I'll use it loosely, you know, lack of a better word. But my, one of my house rules or senses of discipline I instilled upon myself is I'm home for dinner and bedtime every night. I do have one business obligation one night a week that I do miss one bedtime, but I'm blocked out an hour or two of time every Thursday to where I still get to I see my kids and I leave right before dinner starts and grandma comes over and helps. So make sure I get that good quality time and like getting up and leaving the house or going even to see uh, my sister's kids up in Phoenix. I mean, that throws the routine off and it's, it's really difficult to justify. Of course, we'll make justifications for family and so my kids can be around their cousins and I get time with my stepmom and, and, you know, we'd be a family, but yeah, other than outside of like legit bloodlines, let's come try and break my kid's routine. Like we'll, we'll see how that ends up. So, so I, I threw out routine and I got, you pointed out, yeah, we did. I did have success. My parent, my parental approach did work. My kids is a, is a rock star. Um, and a pain in the ass too. Cause you know, that's how it is coming, yeah, of, age, coming of age. She, you know, she knows far more than I do. Um, but, I wasn't as routine centered, um, but her mother was. So, you know, even though that routine was not necessarily established when she was with me, you know, the love, the care, the expectation, the expectations, um, the intentionality, um, you know, that was in place. But, uh, you know, as long as you're getting that from from someplace and it, it wasn't all random but you know i wasn't i'm pretty random <laughs> i don't really right, even yeah. have a lot a lot of routine in how i do things i mean i guess i have conference calls every morning so so the pandemic has created a little bit of routine for me but um it is important and it is something that i would you know i i, I actually wish i had a bit more of it and and uh, i think is a good thing to incorporate into your your parental approach yeah agree well, hey, man, I know we mentioned going a different direction, but, yeah, I think uh, we should get up out of here. <laughs> All right. Uh, man, we got to do this again, uh, maybe get into some sports, some hip-hop, or, or some other things. Brother, it's good to to, uh, to break bread on this roadcaster um, up this way. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll see you in the, in the northern parts while, while it's warm, man. I know you might need a break from from uh, you know hunting at 120 degree days that you have down in Tucson. I've spent 30 winters. I'm still thawing out. I'm cool with the heat, but yeah, I'm gonna be up home. Some I'll, I'll be up there probably sometime this year. Oh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to Dallas uh, like the second week of August. Okay. 
So nice. I don't know what your travels look like or anything like that, but I'll have a little bit of free time. I don't know how far that is from Austin or that yeah. or whatever, but I'll just throw that out there. Yeah, I was just in Austin uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, my folks from down that way are going to be coming up here around the end of August. We're going to have a little family uh, get together with your aunties and some other folks on the 4th of July, just FYI. Maybe we can do a little FaceTime thing. Um, but uh, outside of that, man, we'll catch up. I'll probably... Uh, uh, you know, once it cools down a little, <laughs> maybe in maybe in uh, September, October, I might make my way down and say what's yeah, up. Yeah, Quinn coming down week two. The Vikings are playing the Cardinals. Oh, uh, so yeah, it's like September sixteenth. So okay, planning to, to go up to Phoenix. I'm like three hours from the stadium, so I don't know what his full plan is, but I'm gonna try gotcha. to get up there for the game. And yeah, I might, okay. <laughs> maybe maybe we could do a little something something. <laughs> Down, All right, well, um, yeah, just keep me posted. But, yeah, let's definitely, absolutely do this a little more regularly for sure. We can go into all kinds of stuff. And, and I like just it. Break down. I need, you know, I need to bounce ideas off somebody. And you've been around longer than me. You've been parenting longer than me. So I'm always looking to pull. Nah, I appreciate it. Appreciate it, brother. Love. Much love. All right, mad love. Peace cool. and blessings. Love you, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, man. One. Sure. All right, so, yeah, quick little convo with uh, big cousin Jamie. Uh, I take back anything nice I said in the intro. He was supposed to get me those tracks. Uh, uh, we finished recording that. It was pretty early yesterday, like 4 or 5 o'clock. No, it was like 4 o'clock uh, my time, and I didn't get them tracks for like another 6, 7 hours, so it took a while to download, and I just wasn't going to upload. But episode 69 uh, ain't coming out on 6.9. I thought that would have been cool, but I'm not I'm not too wild about it. You guys, uh, guys want to say anything? Yeah. What do you want to say? Come here. Okay. What about you? Classy Classy Mustard. Oh, okay. Well, thanks, guys. Everybody be cool. Check on a vet. And hug your loved ones. Chill!